Okay, so I'm delighted to uh, welcome Rebecca Wynn, Global CAISO and Chief Privacy Officer at 247.ai. We're making it easier for businesses to engage with their customers by redefining the use of artificial intelligence to enhance interactions. And welcome, uh, Rebecca. And uh, Thank I you. Could, uh, give us an overview of the genesis of the company, uh, perhaps some of the services it provides and your role and how that's developed. I'll be glad to and thank you for having me on the show. So 24-7 started back in, in 2000 and so they're well established being in the BPO market. So call centers globally around the world. And with that, we also have a strong technical process. So if you want to think about all those chatbots out there that you go and you're, hey man, this chatbot is really intelligent. It really knows what I want to ask it before I even ask it. That, that's 24-7. You know, we help customers be able to better engage with clientele and what that does for the people who we do business with, it drives a better engagement, working with their consumers, and also be able in the end to drive better profits. And so we partner really well with people who are global, you know, 100, 500, or 2000, and other people out there to go ahead and be able to do that. Not only from the technology standpoint, but be able to have a better person experience as well. Great. And then, I'm sorry to answer the second part of your question, what do I do? <laughs> I do a lot. So um, I oversee, so as you said, I'm the Global Chief Information Security Officer. I'm the Chief Privacy Officer. I'm also VP of Internal Audit. So everything that goes along with cybersecurity and compliance and risk management um, and security, all that kind of stuff I handle for the company. Um, and obviously we have a great management staff and leadership staff and, and a, a team of over 10,000 people to also help us be able to establish that worldwide. And with, with uh, a role where you have to kind of wear so many different hats, how would you describe your, your leadership style and how you balance some of the challenges that you must face on a weekly basis? Well, one of the things I do is, is that, you know, people always talk about return on investment when you would look in personnel. What I do is holistically is I look the return on the efficiency of, of that investment. So what I do is I look for people who have an earnest to get the job done, to get it done right, to go ahead and to work others well, and to be always thinking that we are literally one team, one mission, because you succeed fully as a team. So normally people who work really well with me are people who are A-type, go-getters, attention to detail, um, people who want to go ahead and find out what the root cause is, and then people who are able to go ahead and say, what does that really mean? What is the so what? Those people are the people who I look for. And then from a leadership style, what I do is I try and empower them. So what I really think about it is I'm a really strong coach. I'm a really strong coach. So if you're in America, you think about football, baseball. If you're in other countries, you might think about like what we call soccer, football, cricket, or something like that. You have to work as one team, one mission, and you're only as strong as your weakest link. So a lot of times it is a lot of training up, working with people. And then my leadership should be able to power to do their job really well. But I'm a strong technical and strategic um, CISO. So if you're working long hours and all that kind of stuff, I'm in there with you. So that's my style, lead by example, and, and all of us to try and be better people and a better team to, tomorrow than we were today. So there's obviously elements of mentoring in your role and bringing people forwards. And is that one of the things that drives and inspires you? What, what are the kind of other areas of the role that are particularly pleasing to you? Um, well, one is always moving the security posture um, better, and that's for risk as well, too. Um, but as you said about developing individuals, not only in their ability to do their job better, but also are you helping them become better human beings? Because that's a positive ripple effect around the world. 
So that, that's what drives me on a, on a personal standpoint. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, people think only so much about certifications and things like that. Um, certifications never gets the work done at the end of the day, and I have a lot of certifications. So I really work with my people about really thinking better, being better at critical thinkers. What does that mean? How can I apply it? And then there's always business lessons that you learn that you should be able to apply it to your family, to your friends, those good practices. So that's the thing is I, I try to be more than just, you know, I'm your boss, but am I someone that you can look up to and say, hey, these are things that I admire in Rebecca that she's doing. And, and how can I go ahead and incorporate them in my life? So I try to be kind of, you know, a life coach as well. Right. And um, could you share perhaps how some of the experiences across your career prior to working with 247 are, are helping you deliver in your role today? What are some of the kind of key things you've picked up along the way now that you're, if you like, juggling these, these, this, this multifaceted role? Well, when I tell people, I've always gone to school of hard knocks. And I said, a lot of times I have a flat forehead and a flat nose <laughs> because it's not as many times as what people say you fail, right? You should be always learning from your, your life lessons, but you, it's how many times you get up and keep moving forward and, pre, and learning from those to do it better in the next day. So I wish I would say people like I, I woke up and I just had these insights and I could just do everything really well. But what I do is I pick up on life lessons pretty quickly. And I've always been a life learner. There's two types of people who learn, and people usually see I have a lot of degrees. The more I know, the more I know I don't know. So teach me. And I look at others to teach me, and I look at life to teach me. And then when I do go ahead and stumble and fall, I, I take that as a lesson, learn from it, and get up and try and do better the next day. And that served me well over my whole career, but it's not that I've had a, you know, a silver spoon in my mouth, not at all. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and I was perhaps uh, hoping to learn a little bit more about some of the roles and you've held before, and what 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 it is, if you like, the nuts and bolts of those that has helped you get to where you are and and, and be able to take on the challenge you you've got today. So, cybersecurity actually is my second career. I had a career before this in financial services that I was really really successful. But one of the things I noticed is that I was always finding ways to do process improvement and and programming other solutions. And at the same time, I was looking to see how I could do those in a secure manner, protecting privacy. So one of the things I did is, is I said, you know what, that's really my love. So this is actually my second career. And I had started out being a, a programmer and a validation engineer, and I was really good at it. But the more that I kept finding out is I kept being led more and more to be on security and privacy and compliance and doing those technical solutions in a mindful way. And, and some of the people might know I have, I have four um, copyrights out there on code that I've written um, before that are used in semiconductor and retail um, sector. But I just kept being led more and more to leadership strategic and technical within the field. And that's why I moved up. So I, I was working in the government sector um, for eight years, a lead validator um, worldwide for um, government systems. And at times I might be out there doing a validation, find out that something needed to be re-engineered. And then very quickly I would be switched over to lead the engineering team and things along those lines. So it really helped me develop my skills. And that's why I'm as deep in my knowledge sets as I am, because you got to get her done, right? You have to get it done in two weeks, four weeks, or six weeks. You don't always have these 18 months and you just got to figure it out. So that ended up leading me to go ahead and be in financial sector where I was able to go ahead and use more leadership. I, I took um, companies who were startups 
into being acquired by Fortune 100 companies and being able to think about privacy and security and worldwide things. And that, that allowed me to go into, into a healthcare company and then allowed me here, where it's really great that I'm in a global established company as well as they are. And then having to do with the BPO and all the sectors as well as the technology. So again, that's one of those tell people is like, you know, you can look at any one little point in your career and you might go, really, is this leading me into something great? All of the things that I learned through that hard lessons gave me all the skill sets to make me the type of CISO that I am today. And without those life lessons, I would have been very one dimensional and I wouldn't be able to be very broad in my skill set and very deep in each of my skill sets. And that's why people call me a polymath. If you could just outline how solutions from 247 are making it easier for businesses to not only engage with their customers by redefining the use of artificial intelligence, but also with security as well. And we'll touch on that a bit further. So perhaps, yeah, just a little overview of those solutions and, and, the, and the goal that you're chasing for your clients. But 24-7 has been a forward-thinking company. And the reason that I'm saying that and the manner I'm saying that is that very much early on, um, PB Cannon, who is the CEO, and, and Eggs, who's the co-founder, what they started realizing is that the world was moving beyond thinking of, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call in a company and I'm, I'm going to talk just to a, a call center representative, an agent, and, and get all my answers that way. We, as a society, start moving more and more quickly to a digital standpoint. And if you think about that, if you go to a website, most people don't even like to wait three seconds before a website loads anymore. I don't. We, we want in-time responses and answers to that. So you might have a consumer who doesn't even want you to be able to, to even speak to an agent. They want to answer right now. And they don't, they don't want to be looking at your facts and questions. They don't want to figure out how, how to go ahead and, and, and to do that. So that's when you initially had seen that the chatbots came on. And they were just pretty much... Um, standard bots where you had to be able to ask the question the way they had it in their database. And not that we don't have clients do that, but we say, hey, how are people actually wording that? How, how are they trying to, to get you to respond to them? And let's go ahead and let's be really mindful how we're learning about that. So when people look at the bots that we have, we're really learning very quickly in real time. And then people around the world are going to speak differently in the native language, the, the NLP. And how can we be more mindful about that too? Because that's the one thing is that when you're looking for answers, you want people to understand the words are coming out of our mouth, whether it's typed or not typed, and you want that answer very quickly. So that's why companies actually partner with 24-7 because we're very successful at doing that. And we are constantly being a pioneer in that. Then if you go ahead and you say, hey, I still want to go ahead and speak to a human. How can we very mindfully go ahead and transfer it for the human where you don't have to repeat every single thing that you just went through? That's a frustration point that people have. So that's why they also partner with us. It's because we're able to seamless be able to transition to a human if you need to and, and continue that conversation you've already had. You don't have to reiterate the conversation. So that's how we're mindful about whether someone wants to be on a website, they want to be on a tablet, they want to see something on their phone. How can you go ahead and best suit your customer as quickly as possible so their digital experience with you is positive and that they will go ahead and not only continue to do business with you, but they will tell other people about you. That's your net promoter score, right? How is that going to go ahead and be more mindful? And if you look at that, is even if you have a 5% bump up in an individual's net promoter score, so their good feelings about you, that can drive an extra 25 to 95% in profit from them because of all the other people that they go ahead and they tell about you. And then their longevity with you is better. And that's why people work with 24 seven. 
is we help companies not only have a better experiences with the consumers, but also to go ahead and, and drive revenues, which is what keeps companies alive. Yeah, that's, um, that's come on to the second question there. I was going to ask you about NPS and, and how you help customers grow revenue, but perhaps we could dig in a little bit more to learn about your approach to conversational AI um, and, and how, if you like, what sets your offering apart from others? What, how are you, uh, if you like, redefining that? Well, we redefine in many ways. And I think one of the things is that it has to do with a couple of things. One, it has to do with personnel. It has to be getting to the right people um, who can be driving excellence. I think I had told you before, it's not about a checkbox, but it's like, how can we be better tomorrow? What are people actually trying to do? What are they trying to say? So really having strong analytics, being able to go ahead and look at those customer journeys and, and how can you make them more efficient? More efficient, not only for the company that goes ahead and hires us, but how can we make it more efficient for the consumer, more friendly? And so we do a lot of, of that. We do a lot of analytical work. It doesn't mean that we have to, to know everything about the consumer. We anonymize the data, right? So we're really good about privacy as we talk about world privacy and keeping all that stuff private. But the whole thing is, is how to go ahead and make that customer's journey the best it can possibly be because people do want answers in real time. And so that, those are the couple of different ways that, that we do that. Just like I told you that I try to be a better human tomorrow, and the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. So how can you fill in those gaps? We do that as a company. That's why it became a real natural fit for me to easily go 24 uh, seven. When I was looking for my next um, area to go to, to be a positive ripple in the world and be a positive ripple, take, helping to take a company to the next level of excellence. You mentioned uh, challenges today, the world, world we're living in right now. Can you talk about some of the cybersecurity and privacy challenges your customers are facing? And and how you're helping them overcome those, particularly with the, the kind of attacks we're seeing, given the state of play, the, the world's become a lot more digital this year, the pressures of the global pandemic and so on. No, that's, that's an excellent question. When you go ahead and look at the world today, the world, you know, people had, had to move very quickly to using a remote workforce. And in my career, I've been doing that. I've been doing that for a very long period of time. I've been doing that well over 12 years. So when we went ahead and we had COVID-19, um, because of the technical presence and also by 24-7 um, already bringing other key leaders into the company really starting six months and a year before that, we were positioned well to be able to move very quickly to a work-at-home workforce. And one of the things that we were also very mindful about is, is what does that look like globally? What does it look like on bandwidth? What things along those lines? And a lot of people forgot about doing all those type of things. So the one thing that, that we did also is that we went ahead and we met with our, our customers. And what we did is when you look at business continuity, you look at instant response, you look at being able to quickly um, respond to disaster scenarios and things like this in this great pandemic, we were able to go ahead and walk them through our plan. We were able to walk them through meetings, show them how we were successful. We were able to go ahead and see how we were, show them how we were able to do that very, very quickly. And at times partner with them to help them go ahead and see how they can move their workforces quicker um, as well. And that's one of the things that I talk about is you have to be good partners out there. We're in a cyber war together. We are all fighting the enemy that's beyond the keyboard, another keyboard somewhere else. And so when we go ahead and we also have customers who come to us, we see them as partners, not only partners in driving a customer experience, but I work with the privacy teams, the compliance teams, the cybersecurity teams, because we need to be cybersecurity warriors together. We have to be able to fight the war 
together. If, if something is going ahead and they're getting attacked some way, they need to be able to let me know, make sure that I'm protected. If I go ahead and I see something else that's happening in the wild that concerns me, I need to be able to tell them, hey, I see this as a concern for me. What are you guys doing? So you need to be able to have those bubble talks. And that's the reason why also when I go ahead and I look at key vendors, I do not buy a vendor to be a checkbox vendor. I buy them to have good partnerships. I buy them because we're going to go ahead and I'm going to have CISA readouts weekly, every two weeks, every month. I meet with their you know, EVPs of cyber strategy. I meet with their CISOs. I meet with their privacy people and risk people. What are you guys doing? What are you doing on your end to better protect me in your offerings? And then what do I see that I can also go ahead and feed into you that you need to be looking at this in your R&D department? Because again, we are in a cyber war together and we need to fight this together. So it's looking beyond about just your, your offering as a product, but also how can you go ahead and better protect the consumers at large worldwide. What are some of the, the newer initiatives and innovations that you're embracing to support that and to support that quest that you've described and with, with that privacy and security offering enhance it? And I know we've talked about conversational AI, but where, do, where does machine learning play a role, for example? Well, one of the things is that we partner very well with Proofpoint, and I go ahead and I meet with Proofpoint regularly, um, their EVP, Ryan, um, cyber strategy. One of the things when we meet with them is, is they're able to go ahead and put 25 to 35 cents every dollar into research and what's going out there, and they have a great mechanism to do that. So I'm able to meet with them. I'm able to see where these threat actors are coming. What are they actually doing? How are they protecting me from my top layer of security, middle layer of security, before even even attempts to start coming down into my architecture? Who, who are they going out inquiring? What other technologies are they putting in to protect me? So then if I go ahead and I need something like call place DLP, if I need some other filterings on that, how can they give me a better price point on that? Because they have a bigger leverage. So that's the one thing I said is when you have to look at some of these companies, what are they doing? That, that you don't have to put all the time and personnel to do it because they're more specialists. And then when you go ahead and you look at, and so I said, all this stuff has to be more next gen. When you look at the firewalls and stuff that you're looking at, how are they actually building in real time threat analysis? How are they going ahead and showing you where you can see your, your full cybersecurity posture of that firewall every single time, every single point of the day that you can see that? What change in an access control list change maybe a downstream um, security posture that you didn't realize. So a lot of these people, you need to work with them so then they can be doing real-time dashboards for you. They can be doing real-time learning for you, real-time filtering for you. If you're going to go ahead and you're going to be looking at patch management, it's not the old school patch management anymore. What is the risk that's going on by you not applying that patch? I tell people when you, you have so many patches to go ahead and apply and they're all important, but which one, do, what system do you patch first? And then which server of that system do you patch first? You have to be able to know the risk that, is, that you're carrying on each server or each system. So then you can know the order of precedence on that. And that's why you work with companies like Tanium to be able to do those. So that's what I tell people. It's more than just what vendor, you know, what, what ballpoint pen are you going to buy? And you can buy it anywhere. You have to go ahead and work with security vendors who are thinking beyond the space of sole security but they're thinking of risk management. They're thinking of compliance. They're thinking of privacy, but they're thinking that you are in a cyber war and how are we helping you on that war? And then how, so I use them as my augmented team to help my team. 
and to be able to go ahead and put the extra dollars into protecting us against a cyber war that I can't, right? And most companies just, you can't put every dollar you come into a company only to fight a cyber war. I wish you could, but you have other things to do, but that's why you have to partner with good companies that they actually can throw extra money in those areas um, for you. And that's what I tell me, that's why I'm a little different is I look for people who are gonna be strong partners um, because again, it's not only the return on investment, it's return on the efficiency of that investment and then how are you protecting us from the cyber war at large? Great, you touched on the proof point there and uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your allies in this cyber war and, and, and some of these strategic partners and how they're helping you drive the business forward. Perhaps you could like to start a bit, bit more detail on, on proof point, for example. Yeah, so proof point's been a great um, partner of mine. And one of the things is, is, is when I first came on, um, I had several meetings with them and what they immediately did is they would go ahead and allow me to meet with whatever experts I want to meet with from a technical side, from a networking side to how they do their security, how they do the privacy, how they do the risk, um, how their systems were running, what is on the roadmap that they're actually going to be bringing in, what partners do they partner with, um, and then did deep dives each and every one of those. And I will tell you that they've been one of the few companies out there that I've worked with in my career who literally will say, we will do deep dives wherever you need to do deep dives. We will get executives on the phone to answer whatever questions you need. You need to see our back end and how we actually do analysis and, and our secret toys. We will show you that. We will show you how you're being mindful to make sure you have the best in place. And that's what you, you need anymore. So if you think about, you know, holistically, we, we have phishing attacks, spear attacks that come in. You hear about ransomware all the time. They're morphing all the time. So how can you try and catch them in real time very effectively? And if they do go ahead and they get through that top layer, how can you then go ahead and take like reputation and new IPs and new you know, website addresses that are popping up every nanosecond now, right? especially with COVID, how can you as quickly as possible be, be partner with someone to catch those in real time? Then if you go ahead and you had something that actually came down into your network, yes, you have other people like CrowdStrike and different people like that you might use, but how can you go ahead and sandbox that? So then if you actually did go ahead and something and then someone actually tried to click on it, that you don't have to worry about it immediately being a problem in your network. And most of the time, you really have to spend a, an enormous amount of time and energy, personnel, setting up servers, doing all this other kind of stuff internally to be able to do that completely yourself, right? Today's next gen, being more smarter, is to go ahead and partner with somebody who can set that up using their services and their systems to be more efficient. When you talk about if, if an email actually gets through and you're like, hey, is this really spam? Is this very phishing? Is this just junk? I mean, your turnaround time with Proofpoint is less than 45 seconds. For them to be able to go ahead and say, hey, I'm gonna use report fish, report it to them, it's gonna to go to them, they're gonna run through all the mechanisms and come back and said, yeah, it is. Or report back to you saying, yeah, I mean, I still blocked it for you, but it was just someone trying to sell you some sort of widget. You can't do that in your normal environment that fast. You can't do it in today's, but you need to partner with these other people that they've dedicated themselves to do that. And, and yeah. how does Sumo Logic fit into that picture? So Sumo Logic has done, um, you know, it's, it's a sim on steroids. And what it does is that people look about how we're gonna look at events, right? And I tell people, the old school, right? And I won't give the names out there, I think we all know them. They're like, hey, 
you have a log, a log's a text file, or you, you might say it's a comma separate value, and then we're gonna go ahead and we're just gonna go ahead and, and list it all on, a, on a, a nice GUI for you. And, right, what's the so what, right? I, I, I don't correlate to find out what's going on there. So, so companies like Sumologic, what they do, and there's very few out there, is they said, hey, let's go ahead and let's go ahead before you go ahead and you're looking at these logs. Let's go ahead and see what I call garbage log. I don't really care how many times did you wake up your computer from being asleep. That's a garbage. This just takes up a lot of stuff in my data lake, right? How many times you just briefly lock in a day? That just takes up data lake. So we're able to very, very quickly go ahead and you're able to filter that kind of stuff out. Then you're able to see the, the meaningful. Then you're able to go ahead and you say, hey, Rebecca normally works from this hour to this hour. And I'll tell you, Rebecca works 24 hours a day, so good luck on that one. And, and that's um, being truthful. But let's go ahead and see what, what is she doing, what's happening all of a sudden in off hours time on her system. Because that's what you want to do, is you want to look at correlated data. An event in and of itself doesn't really necessarily always mean that much. But if you go ahead and you see an event happened where it touched a server, and then maybe it actually went ahead and touched an email. Then it maybe went ahead and touched something else. Then it went and touched something else. Now you're like, oh, now we have something that could be interesting. We could have something that's in stealth mode moving across the network, and it's morphing itself. So now we actually might have something that's being covert behind the scenes and trying to actually root its way in and to destroy something. And that's where you end up having those that they actually, they end up becoming part of your, your SOC analysts because they're able to do that, right? And so what they do is you might have need 35 analysts to try and do those correlations that they can use machine learning, artificial intelligence, and they can do that in real time for you. Now you're being smarter because it's not about getting data it's about correlating the data, finding out what's meaningful, and then being able to have the people go ahead and find out what is, what is actually then happening to your network because of that meaning and being able to take appropriate actions. And I think people get caught up too much about, you know, I see events. I see 3 million events. Well, what does that mean? What is, what's the core of those events? Maybe you have 3 million events, maybe you have 300,000 million events, but maybe there's only really true 10 actual items in the day but you get caught up looking at the low level junk because you have so much of it that you're missing the true meaning. That's why you need to go to a next gen SIM that has analysis in there and actually is being part of your SOC team, your augmentation to be able to do that mindfully and quickly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's that level of automation that, you know, to separate out the meaningful data that you've, you've talked about. Um, we talked about some of the challenges that, that the cut your customers are facing during a period of uncertainty, the global pandemic. But how, how has that been a challenge for 247 in its own uh, operation? And how's overcoming some of those challenges and making you a more resilient business for the future? Yeah, the one thing I, I think that was, um, I, I don't see was, that is good about 247, as I mentioned earlier, they had already started making a, a pivotal um, shift um, really a year before COVID. I'm bringing in um, leaders like myself um, who were forward thinking, who have actually been in some tough situations and got other companies out of those tough situations. So when we went to COVID, um, it was actually, we were positioned well. Um, you know, I don't know if it happened years before that, I don't know if they've been positioned well, but we were actually positioned well. 
So we were able to go ahead and I was named the pandemic leader in that, but we were able to look very, very quickly, what did we need to do? So what do we need to do from an operational standpoint? What systems did we need to check? What personnel we need to communicate with? From a human resource standpoint, who do we need to reach out? How we need to communicate with those people? What meetings do we need to have from a town hall coming from the, you know, the executives themselves, you know, PV and eggs? What, what ones do we need to have from divisions? What teams do we need to go down the team to go ahead and make um, the personnel feel secure, and I don't like FUD on my team, personally, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, no FUD, but how can we make globally that, that personnel don't have FUD? Then when we like for operational, then you wanna go ahead and you wanna see the, those partners that you're partnering with, how are they handling it to their business? Because that's gonna have a ripple effect down for you. So we reached out immediately to all our key vendors, data centers, all of those type of people, and how are you handling those type of things as well? We immediately went ahead and, you know, of course, business continuity, disaster recovery, incident response, pandemic response are going to be um, initiated immediately anyway. But we were in real time looking and seeing how can those even be better. And we did this from day to day better. Then we have people who are looking at, um, you know, from facilities management, from going ahead and looking at even like regulations like OSHA and stuff like that. How can we be meaningful, try to bring people back? And then we, you know, we, we partner with other people. How can we get more systems to more people quicker and more efficiently? So I think one of the things is, is, is having, we had a really big deep and down um, pipeline for that. And, and I shouldn't um, forget that again, um, networking, um, looking at bandwidth and, and looking at procurement teams to be able to go ahead and initiate um, our contracts with legal um, on being able to go ahead and acquire equipment quickly we were able to do that really, really quick. And, and then be able to advise some, some clients who asked us how we were able to do that. And I think what it was is just already kind of being, being on that path, you know, the what if, it's just, you know, and then when the what if actually hit, it hit sooner than anybody would want it to, we were able to do trigger on those. So I think it was proper timing. And I think it was just proper timing that you would, you would already have been planning for that. So you were already bringing key leadership in it's just that to be having them to act on a pandemic or worldwide just came sooner. And to be honest with you, like everybody else, no one expected it to be at this world level and to go on as long as it was. But we, we were well positioned um, and we continue to be well positioned. And we also go ahead as the, you know, the founders of the company, they have other people that they go ahead from a leadership standpoint to be able to give them advice. And we acted on that advice very quickly as well too. So I think one of the things is having key people in key positions to be able to make critical decisions and key decisions um, thoughtfully but quickly um, because procrastination can cost you. And so we did that very mindfully. We were able to make critical decisions um, quickly but mindfully. And so um, that I think helped us worldwide. And obviously the, the nature of a role like yours is, is to have that one eye on the future to be ready to forward plan. Um, but Perhaps looking ahead, uh, what, what are some of the trends that you're seeing across the industries that you serve? Um, what are they specifically uh, demanding from you, though, the customers in those industries? Not, not just in a COVID-19 world, but looking, looking ahead for their future plans. What are the kind of trends you're seeing? Well, there were, there were still many companies out there that really didn't have a big, I would say they had a big, um, internet presence from if you want to go to the website and you want to know basic information, but being able to be able to, you know, have like a retail operation, for example, that you were used to being in malls and things like that and malls are closing. And now you have to be fully to be online. 
And as you move your store fully to be online, that's a different communication channel for you. So how are we able to do that more mindfully, more quickly? And then what kind of you know, questions can we expect? What kind of experience we need to expect? How can we go ahead that customer journey? Because it's new for us. We haven't done it before at all. So we do, we do have a lot of people who are reaching out to us and they should be reaching out to 24 seven because we have expertise in there. And, and we need to have a full web presence because that is going to be our presence. And, and, and so how do we do that? And how do we do that not only from those interactions through being very smart um, about having natural language, chatbots, digital presence along those lines, but if we need to go ahead and then have them speak to a human, how can we do that seamlessly? And, and we do have clients that they haven't been able to do that very successfully because there is a learning curve on that. And it's a long learning curve, but we're successful. So how can they partner with us? And then how can they go ahead and serve their customers immediately from both channels? So there's a lot of companies out there that's new. And I'm just giving you, so retail is a big company, big area. And there's a lot, you think educational, that's big for educational right now. A lot of education, you can't go into it. And, and then you even have stuff like healthcare, hospitals, places like that. And they're going to have to, they have to communicate more along those, those channels more than they ever have before. They're not the only ones, but those, those are some really big sectors that they're dealing with that right now. And then we're well positioned to help customers be able to do that. Well, I hope the questions have given you a platform to kind of uh, tell the story and, uh, and I appreciate that uh, the first instance we were able to talk about your journey and your approach to your role and how you've kind of been able to be uh, guided by your own experiences and that you talked about you know building teams and the mentoring aspect of that so I think we've got lots of great stuff thank you appreciate you okay take care all the best bye bye